Thank you, Randy, for just the opportunity to bring what's on my heart. You know, it's just a blessing to be able to come and, uh, and share with you guys. Um, so tonight, you know, tonight the message is entitled, Where is Your Faith? Okay. And I just had the need to, to you know, figure out where my faith is because, you know, as we all know, times are getting more difficult. As the Bible said, it's getting more perilous for sure. You know, the, the lens is focusing, you know, that we're, we're all seeing a better picture of what's going on with, you know, what's been prophesied and, you know, what's in the Bible and everything else. But we know God's in control. And, um, you know, we know he's got, got a plan for us. So, um, you know, we need faith, you know. And um, so let's just kind of look at, look at faith and a few aspects of it because there's so many aspects of faith. Um, but th these are just a few. So we'll start out with a few definitions of faith. Um, first is the secular definition of faith from Webster's. Um, Webster says faith is an allegiance to duty or a person. Um, it's sincerity of intentions. Uh, that's another definition. Um, these are all kind of hitting a little bit on biblical definitions, but it really not hitting biblical definition. Um, here's another one. Belief and trust and loyalty to God. Certainly that's a part of an aspect. Um, belief in a traditional doctrine. Now here's one where it really doesn't hit uh, a, a biblical definition. It really goes off on the secular way. It says it's a firm belief in something for which there is no proof. And that, uh, that we need to, you know, kind of discuss and, and, and look at further. Um, faith is not something, a belief in which there is no proof. Um, Webster also says complete trust. That's pretty good. And uh, the last one says something that is believed, especially with strong conviction. That's, that's fine. Um, but again, it's, it's lacking. Um, so, so I went to Strong's Concordance, right? That's always a good place to go. Um, Strong's Concordance says the Greek word for, for faith is uh, pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. And um, it means, in Greek, it means persuade or to be persuaded. Okay, so that's interesting. You know, that's the, Webster had nothing to do with persuasion. Um, Strong's continues, it says, uh, they say, faith, pistis, is always a gift from God and never something that can be produced by people, which is so important. In short, pistis for the believer is God's divine persuasion and therefore distinct from human belief or confidence, yet involving it. So certainly the Lord has everything to do with it, but it involves us, it involves action, it involves cooperation. Um, goes on to say, the Lord continually, continuously births faith in the yielded believer so that they can know what he prefers. And this is a, a wonderful verse. It kind of, um, you know, summarizes, uh, you know, what the, the uh, message is a little bit. It's 1 John 5, 4. So 1 John 5, 4, I'll just read it real quick. It says, whatsoever is born of God has overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So certainly in, in these times, we need victory that overcomes the world. And what's going to overcome the world? It's our faith, which is great news. Um, another reference point, um, great website. Uh, it's called gotquestions.org. Um, that's another place that I, I look at, at 
certain things. And their definition says uh, faith contains two aspects, intellectual assent and trust. And uh, intellectual assent is believing something to be true, and then trust is actually relying on that. So, you know, that, that's hand in hand, goes hand in hand. <clears throat> but the, the classical definition or, you know, one that, that, that we've all heard, but it's a, it's a wonderful, amazing verse, is Hebrews 11.1. 1. <clears throat> and we can, we can turn there. It's Hebrews 11.1. 1. So it, it starts out, I'll, I'll have, it's kind of two parts. Um, the first part is faith is the substance of things hoped for. And so we need to stop right there and we need to say, okay, what is hope, right? What is biblical hope? Because um, non-biblical hope is like hoping in uh, wishing. It's like wishing. I, I hope I get a good grade. I hope it doesn't rain today. I hope, you know, whatever. I hope I'm, I don't get a bunch of red lights to work or something like that. Um, but the biblical definition of hope um, there's two, two words in the Bible that, that um, you know, pertain to hope. One is bata. That's the Old Testament, bata. And it conjugates and has the meaning of confidence, security, being without care. And the concept of doubt has no part in this, in this word. So there's no, there's no part of doubt in the word of hope in, biblically. Um, in the New Testament... The word is elpis or elpizo, and that's the Greek, the Greek uh, word. And again, there's no doubt attached to this word. Um, the biblical hope is confident expectation or assurance based on a sure foundation for which we wait in, uh, with joy. So that's the first part of the definition. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And that hope, again, is, uh, you know, I always thought hope was wishy-washy, but it's really not. Um, it's really close to, to faith. But anyway, let's go to the second part. And the second part is, and the evidence of things unseen. So faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Well, so let's talk about unseen things, right? There's a lot of unseen things, things that you haven't seen with your eyes that are very powerful. You know, in the natural, uh, you have electricity. You don't see it. But if you use it wrong, you'll find out how powerful it is. Um, you have air. We can't see it, but we need it. Um, you have gravity. That's unseen. We see the effects of gravity. But we actually, scientists, I've heard today, scientists don't even know how gravity works. They, they don't, the concept of, or Let's just leave it at that. I, I can't talk about it too much, but any, other than scientists today do not understand how gravity or, or the concept of gravity. But how deep that is, you'd have to ask somebody else. But anyway, you can't see it, right? Um, there's other things you can't see. You can't see your thoughts. You can't see logic. You can't see justice. You can't see, um, you, you can't see your, your conscience. Um, you know, things like that. They're, they're not material, but they're very powerful, very powerful. Um, and the, here's a few things that we also can't see that we put our hope in. Um, we can't see God's character. We can't see, you know, God's, the, the names of God as provider and uh, healer and savior. You know, 
those are concepts, but they're not really seen. I mean, you can see the letters and everything, but the, the reality of them, they're unseen. Um, you can't see the Holy Spirit bearing witness to our spirit as believers. You can't see that, but you, you know it's there. Um, you hear testimonies of other people's stories about the Lord, how it changed their lives, and, you know, um, how the Lord's great. You can't really see that. You, you can hear it and listen to it, but they've, they've seen it, and you can, you can believe it. Um, and, you know, you can see when you, when you read God's Word, you can see the truth in God's Word. Um, but, but that truth is not material. It's not, you know, it's, there's, oh, there's, there's truth. Truth is, is something that resi- resounds in our soul and our heart. Um, and, and certainly the person of Jesus Christ, you know, uh, the reality of him. Um, we haven't seen him, but he's, he's powerful nonetheless. And so, you know, that second part of that verse, the evidence of things unseen, you know, a lot of people say that's, that you're just going to have faith in nothing. You don't have, we don't, our faith is not built on anything. You know, if, if the Greek word says, you know, the Greek word says uh, we're persuaded. How can you be persuaded if you're not, you're not processing things? You're not evaluating things. You're not judging things. You know, our, our faith is based on things unseen, but that doesn't mean they're not real at all. So um, I just, you know, when I first read that verse as a new Christian, it was a little bit, um, you know, less sound, less uh, stable. But I, I think, you know, with more study and more background to it, it really is an encouraging verse. Uh, I, I never knew hope was so, so strong, you know. So it's a, it's a wonderful verse. Um, so, so those are some definitions of faith. Um, but th- I also wanted to look at the faith of other, other types of faith. Um, you know, you have, I guess everybody's looking to trust something. You know, when everybody, everybody wakes up in the morning, they're going to, they, they got their wheels turning and they're trusting something, right? They're, they're going towards something. They believe something. Um, when they, they think when they die, they're going to, you know, something's going to happen. So let's look at a few faiths that are not Christian, just to, uh, you know, uh, look at the, look at the difference between the two and to also maybe, you know, protect us from falling into something like that as well. So you, you have your agnostics or your atheists, right? Um, they, they kind of believe, or their faith, what I've seen is their faith is in their cynicism. Their faith is in their negative, negativism or their hard-heartedness. You know, um, I've watched a few debates between, you know, famous atheists and famous Christians and you listen to it for a while, and they have some great points and, and whatever. But a- after a while, you just, you, you know, they show their cards, and it's like, really? I mean, you, you, all you're doing is you are, you see all this proof, you see all this reasoning, you see all this, you know, stuff that would give you faith, but you, you reject it. And, and, and you actually go towards something that's even more absurd. Um, so, you know, their faith is in their negativism, as, as far as I can see. 
Um, here's a few quotes from you know, some famous people that, that are on the other side, I guess is what you call it. Um, here's one. Faith is a great cop-out. The great excuse to evade the need to think and evaluate evidence. Faith is the belief in spite of, even perhaps because of the lack of evidence. So, so this person is, is defining faith as, you know, just having it to having it. You know, I, I believe in God because I believe in God and I, you know, I'm just floating on air just, you know, believing on God. And I, I, there's no background to it. There's no nothing to it. And this person that said that, his name is Richard Dawkins. He's one of the uh, famous atheists. Um, another uh, aspect or, or another faith that, that, that folks kind of rely on are their smarts. You know, some people think they're so smart and they have it all figured out, right? Um, here's a quote from a smart person. Um, we all ought to understand, right? He's teaching us right now. We all ought to understand we're on our own. Believing in Santa Claus doesn't do kids any harm for a few years, but it isn't smart for them to continue waiting all their lives for him to come down the chimney with something wonderful. And then the next, the next sentence I'm not even going to read because it's so, like, blasphemous in my, but basically he compares God to Santa Claus. And um, so he's basically saying, you know, Kids believe in Santa Claus, and that's okay for a while. And we believe in God, and that's fine, and we'll just believe until the end. But actually, guys, we're all on our own, right? And that is Mr. Andy Rooney. I don't know if y'all remember Andy Rooney. He was the guy who finished 60 Minutes, the, the, the you know, the old nice-looking fellow, you know? So that's his faith. Um, there's also uh, faith in education or science. You know, there's a lot of that going on. Um, a big thing right now is materialism is what I can understand. Um, and materialism is basically believing only what you can see. You know, um, you know we, we evolved somehow and um, we're all made up of atoms and they're just random. And, you know, we, we're just here because of chance. You know, um, th there's some really strange, um, you know, beliefs out there. I remember one, Bill Nye, the science guy, he went to go visit Ken Ham at his ark, and <clears throat> he was, they were debating out in the open, and Bill Nye was telling all these guys, hey, I know it sounds crazy, but really and truly, we really are coming close to knowing that we're descendants from Martians. And it's like, wow, you know, that's, you talk about blind faith or leap of faith, there's no evidence whatsoever, but, you know, they're getting there. They're getting there. They're going to figure it out. It's always they're going to figure it out. Um, here, here's, a, here's a quote from a materialist. It says, in terms of doing things, I take a fairly scientific approach to why things happen and how they happen. I don't know if there's a God or not. And that's Mr. Bill Gates, the rich and famous Bill Gates. So he's, he just takes a scientific approach, uh, but he, he doesn't put God in the equation. Uh, here's another quote that's more honest, actually. Um, this guy's name is Mortimer Adler, and I'm not quite sure, you know, his background, but he says, the materialist's assumption that spiritual substances do not exist 
is as much an act of faith as a religious belief in the reality of angels. So he's, he's right. I mean, you, in order to believe the other side, you have to have some kind of faith. And, uh, you know, Frank Turek, the, great, you know, the, uh, the famous guy came to LSU, his, his shows, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist because you really have to have, you, you really go way out there in order to, you know, to believe that stuff. So um, it's, it's just good to, you know, compare, uh, compare faiths. Uh, bouncer, I mean, our faith is, is durable. It's going to last. I mean, it's built on, on the rock. And uh, there's nothing wrong with, with uh, you know, talking to people about the other side or whatever um, and, 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 and exploring it. But you have to be fair. You have to, you, have to, you know, at the end of the day, <clears throat> you know, believe the truth. And the Lord's going to show you the truth if, you sh- if you're searching for it. Um, just a few more examples. Um, you know, some people believe in um, past teachers, higher learning. Here's a, here's a quote that, that uh, Roy and Jordan and myself would really appreciate. It says, uh, such simple insects as bees making beehive could be sufficient to overthrow my whole theory. And that's Mr. Charles Darwin. So he realized, you know, that these insects do so many things that are, like, unbelievable and couldn't evolve from another form in order to do this stuff. And, um, you know, he's just being honest, but, but certainly, you know, they, they kept down their path. So um, another example might be um, just a self-absorbed uh, person. Uh, your everyday heathen kind of thing, um, you know, they may trust in their youthfulness. You know, if you're young, sometimes when you're young, you're like, I, I don't really care. I'm, I'm, I don't have to worry about that till I'm old. And when I'm old, I'll get straight with God. And then, you know, that's that, right? So um, there's, a, there's a famous song, um, Time is on My Side, Right? Um, that was Mick Jagger, Time is on My Side. Well, Mick Jagger is now, and, and he sang that in the 60s, and he was all, you know, liking that, right? Well, he's 78 now. I don't think Mick's, you know, thinking time's on his side now. He's not youthful anymore, for sure. So um, other, other people might trust in the consensus. You know, they do, they've had some experiments where people go in and, and they say, okay, you know, that blackboard is purple. And 10 people say, that blackboard's purple. And the 11th person, go, person goes, yeah, that blackboard's purple, even though it's black. They're listening to the, the first 10. So some people's faith might be, you know, hinged to what everybody else is thinking, which, you know, uh, has no basis in truth whatsoever. So that's just, you know, some things. That, that other folks might be relying on, trusting on. Uh, and certainly we know that there are some people that trust in their own righteousness. You know, I'm better than the other guy kind of thing. So, um, so we have to ask ourselves, is our, is our faith a God faith? You know, does it come from God like, like we read in, in the concordance? Um, Hebrews 11:6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So the Lord, you know, he wants, that's what he wants from us. He wants our faith. Um, But in Galatians 3, why don't we turn there? Galatians 3, 
it's, this is, um, I've learned so much from this, these few verses. Um, and Randy's taught this before, you know, Old Testament, New Testament, you know, they've all had faith, right? But let's, let's go to Galatians 3, and we're going to read uh, 6 through 18, and kind of run through it pretty quick. <clears throat> so Galatians 3, 6. <clears throat> Even as Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. So that's that biblical faith. Know ye, therefore, that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. So we have that opportunity to be, you know, in that family. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham. That's amazing. The gospel was preached to Abraham. That's in Genesis. That's the first book of the Bible. That is the Old Testament. <laughs> so I, that's, the, that's the first time that's kind of sprung out at me. So I was just amazed at that. Um, so it was preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall na all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are the works of the law are under the curse, for it's written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So we're, we're not going to approach God through the law. We, we all kind of learn that, um, and, and faith is the way. Um, so uh, some people do get caught up in that, I guess, a little bit or, or more. It just depends on where their you know, knowledge of the Lord is, really, and, um, and how faith works and how righteousness is and how the law works, really. Okay, verse 11, but, no, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not a faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law by being, being made cursed, a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. And there's the gospel. There, there is the gospel. You know, Christ took that penalty. He hung on the tree. He's the curse for us, and God wants our faith. He wants our faith. Um, let's skip down to um, verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And here's, here's another verse that sprung out at me. And this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before of God and Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. So what this is saying is the law came 430 years after the covenant was given to Abraham. And that, I mean, I've, again, that kind of struck me as amazing because, you know, it just shows you, like, chronologically that's where the gospel was and the law came after it um it's just a new revelation to me so i thought it was really cool um so verse 18 for the inheritance of, for if the inheritance be of the law it is no more of promise but god gave it to abraham by promise okay 
So um, just going over this, you know, chapter and verses, it just shows how the Old Testament and New Testament, we're still, we're still making it through faith. You know, Chris opened up with a great, uh, a great verse. It was Ephesians uh, 8 through 10. And I might read 8 and 9, and I'll read 10 later. But that, that, those three verses really sum up a lot of doctrinal, good doctrinal stances. So Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, You're saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. So that, that's, our, you know, that's our doctrinal stance, but it, it explains a lot. And, and just to kind of reference the Genesis story, uh, and I'll just read it real quick. Genesis 15, uh, verses 5 and 6. This is where Abraham actually believed the Lord. You know, when he was talking, the Lord was telling him, you know, I know you're old and your, your wife's old, but you're gonna, your descendants are going to be as the uh, stars of the heaven. And, um, and, and Abraham believed that, and that was accounted him as righteousness. So I'll just read it real quick. So verse 5, it says, And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward the heaven, and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. So it was that simple. He believed it, and, and the Lord counted to him as righteousness, which is amazing. Um, so I wanted to give a personal uh, example of this, one that um, is, is close to our family. Um, and I thought it, it just exemplified, you know, our walk with the Lord and, and, and the way we can relate to the Lord. Um, it was a great example. So it's, it's Stacy's mom. Um, she would be the first one to admit she is not perfect. She would be the first one to admit this is all glory to God. Um, but this happened nonetheless, and I thought it was a great example. So, um, so she had a mole on the side of her face for years, 20 years, 30 years, something like that. And <clears throat> she had brought her husband to the doctor, and the doctor was saying, do you have any moles that have changed? And, and he was like saying no, and then, and then she was asked, and she's like, no, I, I don't have any. And but come to find out, you know, the doctor saw it, right? And come to find out, it was changing, it was hurting, it was getting bigger, it was it was changing, it was not good, and you know, the prognosis was not good. Um, so she she went home. She was very afraid. She was gripped with fear. She was like. I wonder how many years I have left. I mean, this is the end or whatever. You know, I, I don't know what was, but she said she was gripped with fear. Then she had a friend of hers that called her and encouraged her in the word. She encouraged her in the Lord. And she said that word of encouragement spoke to me so, so, so deep that, you know, the fear left and the faith came. And, and so she started believing in the Lord. She started studying the scriptures. She started praying the scriptures. She started believing the Lord that he was going to take care of this situation. And she said one day she was combing her hair and she saw this flaky stuff on the, on the, on the dresser and she checked her face and the mole was gone. So 
and, and her doctor, you know, what she says her doctor confirmed that. So, and certainly Randy's got stories like this, you know. I have little stories like that, not bigger stories like that. But, you know, I think I need to start writing this more down because I know the Lord takes care of me too. And I know he works in my life. But I thank him and I forget it, which is terrible. I'm like the nine that go away. They don't come back and tell them thank you, you know, when the Lord healed them. So it was, I thought it was a great example. And, and that's the way the Lord works in all of our lives, you know. Second um, Timothy 1, Paul's just telling Timothy that he sees, he sees the faith in his grandmother and his mother and in him. And I just wanted to point out that when we, when we live this faith, it's a gift. It's a gift to us. It's a gift to our children. It's a, it's a godly inheritance. You know, um, I know that there's a statistic that, you know, atheistic families, there's a lot of suicide in atheistic families. Makes sense. Why not? You know, all right, I'm done. But a godly inheritance, you know, who is this Jesus? What did he do? I need to know him. You know, I know the creator of the world now. This, you know, it's, ama- it's an amazing faith. So I'm just going to read 2 Timothy 1 real quick. He says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother, Lois, thy mother, Eunice, and I persuaded that in thee also. So we have that, <clears throat> when we have that faith, we can pass it on. We can teach it. We can show it. Right? Um, I wanted to look real quick at James 2. Maybe we can turn there, James 2. And, um, you know, faith produces things. It's not going to not produce things. Um, if it's not producing things, then it's dead, as, faith, as James would say. And, and I just take, you know, what James is saying. I'm, I, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, works or anything, but here, to me, James is warning the reader. He's saying, if, if, you, if you think you have faith, but you're not doing anything, if you think you have faith and you see somebody in need and you have the means to help them, and you say, do, you know, we'll read it, but you know, basically you say, do well, be good, that's not faith. That's dead faith. That's not real living faith. But let's, let's read that real quick. Um, so I'll, I'm just going to skip around a little bit. Verse 2, it says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. Don't have faith in Jesus with respect of persons. And skipping down to 14, it says, What does it profit, my brethren, though a man may say he have faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? So he's, he's, he's just pointing out that, you know, our faith will produce something. It, it will, you know, help us act as the Lord would act. Um, verse 17 says, Even so, if faith hath not works, is dead, being alone. Skipping down to 20. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? And here comes Abraham again. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seeth thou 
how faith wrought with his works, and by his works was faith made perfect. So, um, you know, sometimes we have to, in, in my line of the business, um, file liens on a customer. And liens are when they don't pay, then you file a lien on what they're working on. So, for instance, if, if we're working for a company that's building something in a refinery and that company doesn't pay us, well, we'll find a, file a lien on the refinery. That's, and they can't sell that thing until the lien's released. But what you do with a lien, you perfect a lien. You, and, and the way you perfect a lien is you have to send them a notice, you know, 60 days at, before you finish the work. You have to, you know, notarize it. You have to do all these things. You have to perfect it. And I think that's what it's saying here. You know, when we act and do those things that the Lord would want us to do, we're perfecting our faith. You know, it's, it's making it whole. Um, it's, it's not making it empty. You know. Um, verse 23, it says, And the scripture was feel, fulfilled, which said, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. So again, he believed God. You see then how that wor by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise, well, I'll just skip down to 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So again, it's just a reminder that, you know, our faith will produce works. Um, you know, John 6, 28 through 29, you know, I think Jesus addressed this uh, for us. Um, you know, some people want to put the cart before the horse and just say, okay, I'm doing all these good works, therefore I have faith. Well, no, I have faith, therefore I'm going to do all these works, right? And, and, and so there's this big debate going on. Well, let's go to other scripture, you know. John 6, 28 through 29 says, they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? How do we follow God? How do we do his work? And Jesus answered him and said, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he sent. Then the works come, you know. And, and, and again, uh, Ephesians 2.10. So Chris read 8 through 10. And so 10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should, she should walk in them. So before that, it says, you know, you're saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves. And then it says, you know, we are to do good works, which were before ordained. So he's, we have the faith first, then the works. And, and I think uh, everybody would agree to that, but you know, we probably know some folks that may need a little bit more explaining, <laughs> scripturally explaining with that. Um, in, in love, though, um, there's certainly been a debate about that for a long, long time. So um, just, to, just to, you know, wrap it up, um, where, where is our faith? Where is your faith? You know, is your faith in yourself? Is your faith in intellect or science, um, religion? Um, good works? Um, is your faith just, you know, in your youth? It's certainly not mine. <laughs> um, or is your faith in Jesus? Um, 
is, it, is your faith in a, in, in a man who has historically come to the earth? There's no debate over that. Um, he owned nothing. He left this world owning nothing. Um, yet he, he changed the world in a profound way. Um, he claimed to be God. Uh, he performed miracles. Um, but if he was God, there's really no problem with the miracles he performed. Um, he, he was like no other. And he, he offers us reconciliation to God. You know, he defeated death, the devil, and the grave. You know, he is the way, the truth, and the life. I mean, is that where your faith is? Is that where our faith is? Or is it, or is it in something else? Um, I wanted to look at two more scriptures. Uh, John 16.32. Maybe we can turn there real quick. John 16.32. This is pertinent for us for sure today. Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we can take heart. You know, we can have peace. We know we're going to go through some things, but we know that Jesus has overcome the world. And then the last one is, is Daniel 3, 16 through 18. Maybe we can go there real quick. Daniel 3, 16 through 18. O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. This is when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would go, you know, be thrown into the fire for not, not obeying uh, the king. <clears throat> if it be so, our God whom we, we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So these people had a resolute faith. They knew where they stood. They knew who they believed in. They knew who not to believe in. They knew that, you know, this whole setup was, was ungodly and not true. And they were going to follow God. And, and you know, I think the Lord is going to birth that in us too as, as, as believers. And that's how we, you know, shed the light. That's how we are lights in this world, to, to show the world, you know. No, I, 100 people believe that. I don't. It's not true. And it might save some. It might help save some. Um, you know, that's ungodly. You know, I don't have to listen to that. That is against God's law. So therefore... I don't have to listen to that. Um, you know, things like that, where we, we actually go through that today. So um, just an encouragement that, that, you know, we would all have this faith and the Lord would, would see, you know, see this in us. So, Lord, we just thank you for your word, your truth, Lord God. We thank you for making a way through your son, Jesus, Lord God. We just praise you.
for your, uh, for your encouragement, Lord God, and the hope that you give us, Lord. We pray that you'd strengthen our faith, Lord God, and see us through to the end. In Jesus' name. Amen. I praise God uh, for Eric and, and for him studying and preparing this and bringing this word to us tonight. Uh, I have a couple of scriptures I just want to add. This is something that's so greatly needed. The Bible does say the just shall live by faith. So you cannot at all minimize faith. We're saved by grace through faith. Everything comes down to what you believe, who do you believe in. And that's what faith is, a strong confidence. That's hope as well. And you know, Eric was at the first part of his message. He was talking about all of the, the very intelligent people who don't believe. They're very intelligent, and yet they're atheists. They're very intelligent, yet they mock uh, true biblical faith. And one day they'll stand before the Lord. I promise you there will come a day they believe. It'll be too late at that point. Uh, and I'm not at all ridiculing or mocking. I thank God that he opened my eyes. It is a spiritual thing. Faith so, so when you start talking about spiritual things, people think a lot of times that it's not real. This is what he was hitting on at the beginning. We think if it's not physical and you can't see it like these floors, then it's not real. Uh, it's every bit more real. It's more real. I remember when, when uh, I had given my life to the Lord and uh, my dad was not a believer. And uh, I had asked Dee to marry marry me and we were getting ready to get married so I wanted to go tell my dad I was engaged and I sat down on the in the process God had me begin to share the gospel with him and I was young I was 23 years old probably 22 years old and I was a little bit intimidated by my father uh, who was not a believer and uh, I remember telling him I said dad he the Lord is more real to me than you are sitting on this couch beside me. Uh, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So how do you have faith? Well, you have to be honest, first of all, and say, if the evidence leads me to God, I'll believe it. There are some people that no matter what proof, Jesus told uh, the Pharisees, they said, show us a sign. They already watched him raise the dead. They watched him multiply fish and loaves. They, they had seen him open multitudes of people that were brought to him. He opened their blinded eyes and their deaf ears and made the lame to walk. And they said, when they were ready, they wanted to do, do a little circus trick. Show us a miracle and we'll believe. He said, you wouldn't believe. You wouldn't believe. Uh, and and uh, Lazarus, the rich man, said, well, uh, you know, send one back from the dead. To send Lazarus back from the dead to tell my brothers that God is real and heaven is real and so forth. Moses, uh, Moses said, no, they wouldn't believe. That You know what that's called? The Bible, Jesus says, is an evil heart of unbelief. Because no matter what proof you give them, what proof God gives to them, they refuse to believe. That is an evil heart of unbelief. That's not just poor guy they can't believe. They've made a choice to not believe. And so the, you can believe. Don't tell me you can't believe. You can believe. You don't want to believe. You can believe because every prophecy in the Bible that God has given has been fulfilled, other than the ones that are yet to be fulfilled. You understand what I'm saying? Every prophecy, there are 66 major prophecies concerning the first coming of Jesus Christ. All 66 major ones were fulfilled. There are 270 minor 
smaller prophecies concerning Jesus' first coming, all 270 were fulfilled. People that don't believe, it's because they don't want to believe. They don't want to want to look into it. They don't want to examine it and see. But a couple of things, and I'm going to close, and I'm very thankful. This was very uh, a timely message for our church, and I thank God for, for Eric bringing it. Two scriptures real quickly, 2 Peter 1, 19. We have, we have also, I'm sorry, verse 16. For we have not followed cunning, cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So people that would look at Christians and kind of smirk and roll their eyes and say they're just a bunch of ignorant people, they're superstitious people, they just believe with no evidence at all. Uh, Peter was a real person. He was a real individual who died for the Lord. He was ended up being crucified for the Lord upside down. And he said, look, we didn't follow fables. These aren't a bunch of fables. We were eyewitnesses. We saw these things. Now, you can say, I don't believe you, Peter. But that's fine. You better find some proof to not believe Peter because history backs up what Peter said. You understand what I'm saying? The script, scriptures back up what Peter said. Last scripture, and this is more along, along the lines of just a word of encouragement for us tonight, okay? I would like you, to, if you would, to turn your Bibles to uh, Romans 15. While you're turning there, you know, Jesus, what did, what did he say at the, the grave of Lazarus? Lazarus was dead for four days, right? His body was decaying. It was stinking at that time. Uh, and he told Mary and Martha, said I not unto you, if you'd only what? Believed, you'll see the glory of God. Everything hinges on our faith. And, and we can believe. Don't, don't think, I, I just can't believe that. Well, then we need to get in the word of God. We need to go before the Lord in prayer. I promise you, he's wanting to help you believe, okay? He's not going to leave you in the darkness. And so uh, God did raise Lazarus from the dead. But let's look at uh, Romans 15, verse 13, and we'll close with this. Now, the God of hope, and Eric, Eric talked about hope. Now, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. He's the God of all hope. That's like his name and who he is and what he does. And then he says, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. God wants you to believe. You're going to be miserable. Like, like Eric said, you, you find the highest rates of suicide. I prom promise it's, it's not among born-again believers. I don't know all the statistics perfectly, but I can promise you the highest rates of suicide are not among those that really know Christ and are walking with him. We have struggles, too. We have problems, too. We get cancer, too. We, we have, get laid off jobs, too. But we can trust in God. We can believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We can believe that my God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We can believe, and he wants us to believe. We're miserable when we don't believe, amen? These atheists are not happy. They can mock and laugh and make TV shows making fun of the Bible and of Christians, but they're not happy. They have no real joy and peace because they don't believe, amen? So thank you, Eric, for bringing this. I'm glad to see all the the Cheney clan here tonight. So glad that y'all joined us to be here. Uh, Chris is going to sing.
Uh, but just for a moment, if God leads you to come to this altar and pray, just ask God to strengthen your faith. I'm going to be at this altar praying, asking God to strengthen my faith for just a moment. But Father, we come before you tonight in Jesus' name. And God, we love you. We're so thankful, Lord God, for loving us. God, we would be blind. We would be that atheist, God, if, we, if you hadn't opened our eyes, God. But I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you did open our eyes. And we're not going to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have not followed cunningly devised fables. God, we, we're following the truth, the God of all truth, Lord God. And I thank you that you live in our hearts, God. I thank you that our sins are forgiven. And God, we're facing uh, perilous, and perilous times that we're living in now, God. We need you to strengthen our faith in you, God. I pray for your people here tonight, God, that their faith would be strengthened. If there's anyone here tonight that's not born again, or maybe they're not even sure if they're born again, God, I pray tonight by faith they would surrender to you, and by your grace you would save them, God. In Jesus' name.